The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in president-select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gale here with Raheem, the Dream, Palmer, Artura, rocking it. Are you still in Vegas? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm actually, um, I think I'm about to close on this condo. So I'm Let's crossing my fingers. Go. We'll see what happens. But I mean, as of next week, I, Lord willing, I might be a resident of Las Vegas, Nevada. So I hope you know this. As soon as you close that condo, I will send you a congratulatory text or Slack. And the follow-up Slack will be weekends I'm coming to visit and I'm going to come <laughs> stay with you because I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a weekend in Vegas after this year. So uh, be on the lookout for me extending the invite myself this week on this show, Thursday night football, we go over every single week. Titans at Packers, probably the best game on Thursday night from like a playoff implications or even like just powers of teams that we've seen. Al Michaels might actually be awake for this game and excited to call it. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, Green Bay Packers, I think their odds to make the playoffs right now, according to 538's projections, are just 12%. But a win this week does push that figure to 21% and a loss honestly drops them out of the race. Yeah, their odds go down to 5%, but I don't think they make the playoffs if they lose this game. So for Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur, this is every single week's a playoff game, starting with this one at home against the Tennessee Titans. They are favored by three. The Titans, on the other hand, according to that same 538 projection, are 93% to make the playoffs, 90% to win the division. They got a two-game lead over every other team in the AFC South. They play the Jags twice to close out the season. They also still have to play the Texans one more time. Like The Titans are making the playoffs, and 90% likely to make the division, according to 538's projections. This is not a must-win game for them by any means. It's a must-win game for the Packers. For the Titans, it's 
how good is this Titans team? Because if they can go into Green Bay and beat up on Aaron Rodgers and beat up on the Packers, I think that'll be telling of the kind of postseason success we can expect from the Titans, even if it doesn't impact necessarily if they'll go to the postseason. Your initial read on this matchup uh, between the Titans and the Green Bay Packers. First things first, I don't think this Titans team is very good at all. Like this team, I mean, I guess this is what the Titans are going to be in the Mike Rabel era. They are 6-3 and three with a minus two-point differential. They have a point differential of a team who should have won about four games. So I just think they're kind of just getting by on smoke and mirrors. But, I mean, when you when you play in the AFC South and you, you have a Colts team who basically punted on the air, you play them twice, you beat the Texans, you beat the Broncos, it's just you, you, this is what you get. So you get a team who is going to likely win the division and sneak into the playoffs. But... When I look at this matchup, obviously there is some weather concerns. So you've seen this total drop from 42 and a half to 41. And I personally agree with the move. You have two teams who like to run the ball heavy. Obviously the Titans, I mean, they like to run the ball with Derrick Henry. And the Packers, without Devontae Adams, this is what they're going to be. So I agree with the move on the total. But I think the thing that's interesting about this game is that you see the Titans are basically built in a hospital right now. You lose um, Kalev Farley. Um, Jeffrey Simmons is on the injury report. They have a lengthy injury report right now. So this line is minus three. What's your thoughts on this line being three? Just because, uh, like, to me, I, I think a lot of people see this as an overreaction. With the, the Packers last week, they beat the Cowboys, and now a team who was pretty much out of it, now they're laying points. For me... FanDuel right now has it minus 120 if you want to take the Packers at minus three. So a little juice towards the minus three. You can maybe even see that number get out to minus three and a half. I think that is that is some of the injuries, right? You have Danico Autry, who was a limited participant Monday, full participant Tuesday. Bud Dupree with a hip injury didn't practice Monday or Tuesday this week. Danico Ot- or, uh, Jeffrey Simmons went from di- uh, from not participating on Monday to limited practice on Tuesday. Like There are a lot of injuries specifically on the defense. Even David Long was a limited participant in practice on Monday. It, 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 on a short week, banged up, it's going to be a tough one for the, for the Tennessee Titans. But I'm as long as they're playing, Danico Autry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, David Long. I think that this Tennessee Titans defense is legit. Like, legit, legit. And Benjamin Solak, an analyst here at the Ringer, wrote an excellent piece talking about how the, the Titans are winning games despite having one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Like, this offense is bad. With or without Ryan Tannehill, it has struggled to put up points. It's one of the lowest-ranked offenses in success rate, EPA per play, yards per play. Anything you look at, it is not performing above expectation or even above the top half of the league. Defensively, it's the best run defense in the NFL. They've allowed 0.76 yards before first contact per attempt this year. That is not just the best this season. It's the best we've ever seen a team be since 2012 when the Bucs had the top defense in the NFL. That's Tierre Tart. That's Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, David Long, Zach Cunningham. They are getting the best. Mike Vrabel specifically is getting the best out of what is a nameless, castaway-ridden defense. And that kind of coaching is sticky, right? We talk about where, what, what, what's, what's sticky and what's volatile in the NFL. I, I buy this physical, we play through injuries defense of Mike Bravel and this coaching staff being sticky every single week. And when you look at the success that Green Bay had against Dallas last week, they specifically attacked the edges of that Cowboys defense. They said, hey, we're going to make your cornerbacks tackle. We're going to make Anthony Brown, Kelvin Joseph, Trayvon Diggs, your safeties tackle. And they struggled, right? Aaron Jones and and, and, uh, and A.J. Dillon both had a lot of success running the football. They ran more under center stuff. And that helped the offense a ton. 
would also help the offense is Christian Watson stopped dropping the football. You know, three touchdowns in that game, caught a big touchdown on fourth and seven that helped them stay in it. I don't necessarily see Packers favored by three as an overreaction. I think this is more of a reaction to, are you buying the Titans defense again against a, you know, a capable offense? Yeah, it hasn't been good all season, but still has star power and A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and obviously Aaron Rodgers. Are you buying this Titans defense again on the road against the Green Bay Packers? Because for me, if this line gets to three and a half, I'm taking the Titans and I'm, I'm sleeping well. If it stays yeah. at three with the push probability, I probably do lean Packers. I think more money is going to come on the Packers as we get closer to kick. I, I don't know, man. I, I I think that this Titans team is no slouch. If this line was three and a half, four, four and a half, if it got out to that point, I think it's obvious that the Titans are the pick because Frable is coaching this, coaching an absolute gem defensively and offensively without Malik Willis. Malik Willis was the cost of one of the turnovers they had last week. Without Malik Willis playing, I think Tannehill and Derrick Henry protect the football enough to keep this game close. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm struggling with this side just because I just, for me, like consistently, I, I've said this for a while, but the Packers have one of the best home foot advantages in football. To me, I have it ranked up there with the Vikings. So they're a team that I don't really like to fade that much on the roll unless, you know, the team, the opposing team is really getting a ton of points. And at three, this just feels like a spot where, like, my gut, my gut feeling on this game is that the Packers are going to win this game and we're going to have to worry about them getting into the playoffs and making some noise. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, last week, Christian Watson played really well, four receptions, 107 yards, three touchdowns. And I I just feel like something in that passing game is changing. And, like, they have an identity with them running the ball. Me, personally, I'm going to stay away from the side. I think I would go first half under 20, full game under 41. I mean, you're you're kind of getting the worst of it with, you know, the line moving down. But if that's the direction, I mean, if that's by the play something, that's what I'd be looking towards. But I, I'd probably be looking towards the first half under. I'm staying away from the full game to, uh, spread as well, unless it gets to three and a half. I think if it gets to three and a half, I'll probably take some Titans plus three and a half. Uh, looking at the first half side, you could bet Packers minus one and a half first half. But honestly, this is going to be a slugfest, dude. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 10-10 game at the end of the first half, even 7-7 game at the end of the first half. I, I think both of these defenses are going to have edges, especially with the weather. I think the Titans are struggling to be two-dimensional. They're going to run the football ex- ex- exponentially against this Packers front, a paper-thin Packers front that I think could give up a lot of rushing yards. You know why? Vandal has Derrick Henry's rushing yards prop at 100 and a half yards. They're saying... Bet either side of him having a 100-yard game. I almost have to bet the under in principle. Can the Packers go into this game and say, dude, the betting markets are expecting us to hit or give Derrick Henry 100 yards? I want to focus on that rushing prop specifically. Are you staying away from that line? I feel like that's too high. 100 yards for a back going into a game feels too high. I mean, it's Derrick Henry. And, I mean, we we come off a game in which Tony Pollard had 22 carries for 115 yards. So, I mean, this, this, this Packers team has struggled to stop the run all season. So, I... It may not be too high. It may actually be too low. <laughs> <laughs> so that now I'm just looking now. It's, fl- it's flirting between, I saw it at 98 and a half, 99 and a half, and 100 and a half yards. That's minus 114 aside. I'm probably not touching that one because I'll be, I'll be looking like an idiot betting under Derrick Henry rushing yards when he goes for 150 against a very bad Packers. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this, this Packers team is, what are they, 28th in, in rushing EPA per play? And mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so it's just like, I, I don't know if you really want to go under on that, even though, you know, unders tend to have value. I mean, this team is 30th in rushing success rate as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think you kind of got to stay away from that one. Um, I know there's probably going to be a lot of people 
Um, a lot of squares you can be putting Derrick Henry rushing yards over in same game parlays, but yeah, I won't be one of them. <laughs> it's it, it's definitely a square bet. Everyone's going to be saying every Derrick Henry rushing over, every Derrick Henry rushing over as you can get it. But I'm probably staying away if the line is that high at 100 and a half. Looking at the passing props, Aaron Rodgers said at 243 and a half, Ryan Tannehill at 184 and a half. I don't know. That's low, man. That's low for. An offense that I know wants to run the football, but I think could be in a situation where they're going to have to throw the football to get back into this game, especially with the, you know, the Packers' favorite by three. I, this one's tough. This is such a tough game to handicap. I, I, I think that I like, the, I like the under. I like the first half under and full game under. I think that if you get the line at three and a half, take the Titans. But in these props, man, like I'm scared to bet a Henry over, and I'm, I'm scared to bet a Tannehill under with a, with the prop as low as 184 and a half. Receiving yards props, I don't see a lot of Packers available. The only receiving yards props you can bet on in a Packers uniform are Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon. I would love to see a Lazard prop, but I don't think we know, or a Christian Watson prop, but we don't have that on FanDuel right now. Any other props stirring interest on your end, or, or, or are you sticking to the total and size? Yeah, I think I'm just sticking to the total and size. I, I, the one I found interesting, I mean, I think, you know, Derrick Henry is minus 150 for any time touchdown score. So, I mean, I think that's telling you how much they they respect Derrick Henry in this game. And so it's just, yeah, I'm staying away. <laughs> minus 150 for any time touchdown score is is scary. I would love to see. I like when I look at any time touchdown score, I kind of go to like, I, I look at Dontrell Hilliard plus 600. You know, maybe maybe he comes in on the goal line. They're thinking pass. And he throws the ball. I don't know. I, I think those, those anytime touchdown score props, I usually stay away from unless you're building out same game parlays and think you have an edge in that area. That's going to do it for this one. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm more excited. I, I just think this is, a t- this, Go ahead. This, this is a really yeah. tough game. I think, I mean, last week we pretty much had a definitive side on the Carolina Panthers, but this one is just, I, I don't, I, I don't feel good about it. I mean, the Packers off a big win against the Cowboys. Um, in a game in which it feel like the Cowboys kind of pissed away. And the Titans are just a team who they tend to win ugly week in and week out. So, I mean, the side is just, it's just a, it's just a brutal game for me. It's just one of those games where I'd rather watch, but I think the under is probably the right play. According to Green Bay weather forecast, it's expected to be 29 degrees, feels like 24, some wind, some rain potentially, going to be a cold game. I think that's why, like you said, the total's going down. It's at 41 and a half. Right now, I like under. I like a close game. Don't let this spread get out to three and a half, four. We're already seeing some money being bet on the Packers. If you want the Titans, I think you wait till it gets to one of those numbers at three and a half, four. If you want the Titans before that, maybe look at them as a money line bet for the first half. But staying away from the props market as well, I think there's too much juice on the Derrick Henry overs, and I don't want to look like a fool when he runs for 150, 200 yards in the first half. That's going to do it for this one. I'm I'm more excited at what's going to happen in this game, right? Like, Do the Packers have a chance at making the playoffs with a win? Or, or not. That's kind of the bigger thing I'm looking for. But betting this game, we've outlined it before, and we're going to do it again. I love the Carolina Panthers bet last week, man. I'm excited. Uh, we, we make a couple more of those Thursday night bets. Dude. We, I might be buying a house next to you in Vegas. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I, I mean, I would <laughs> love to welcome you as a neighbor. <laughs> well, the, how I get there is betting college football, and I'm having a lot of success with that with Roger Sherman betting on my TCU Horn Frogs. We're talking Horn Frogs yet again on the Ringer Gambling Show. Let's now bring in Roger Sherman. The Rajfather joins. You hate the nickname Rajfather, and I think you're wrong for it. Um, I don't hate it. I'm just learning to adapt. You know, well, you're the first person to regularly call me that. Um, and you know, it's I'm it's it's a it's a season long test drive, and we'll see 
we'll see if if it carries over to future in the rest of my life. But for for now, I'm I'm like learning to live with it. I'd say. I'm happy you're finding a way because as we continue on our road to betting college football, we're coming off another big week. Our TCU Horn Frogs. If you listen to the podcast, you knew you should be betting the Frogs on the road against Texas as a seven point dog. They went seventeen ten in Austin last week. We're going to talk a little bit more TCU today. We're going to talk TCU at Baylor. Baylor, a two-and-a-half-point dog against the Horned Frogs at home. Also going to get into USC-UCLA. Probably the biggest this game has been in a long time. UCLA, a one-and-a-half-point dog at home. Utah at Oregon, another Pac-12 masterpiece. Number 10, Utah versus number 12, Oregon. Oregon, a three-point favorite in Otson. And then lastly, but not leastly, number 24, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, unranked, but a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Gundy and the boys. We're getting to the good part of the college football season. We're getting to the good part. Always. It's like September, we're happy it's back. October, we're learning who the teams are. November, it's time. It's time. I agree. I agree. I think mid to late November is when obviously when you have some of the best games of the year. Rivalry weekend is next weekend. Make sure you tune into the podcast next week. And this is Ohio State, Michigan. It's going to be legendary next week going into Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. This week, we get some like uh, I don't want to call them second tier rivalries, <laughs> but like some of the rivalries that don't make it into rivalry week we get this weekend. We're talking about two of them on the pod, like the LA, the cross LA battle and Bedlam out in Oklahoma. Should be an absolute treat. Let's start with my Horn Frogs, though. Number four TCU is going to Baylor. TCU is now 10 0 on the season, just like I said, coming off a 17 10 win over Texas. They were seven point dogs in that game. They win. TCU running back Kendra Miller was electric in that one. 21 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. Took some pressure off Max Duggan, the quarterback for the Horn Horn Frogs, where he has had to be the guy in games this year and has struggled to be the guy for four quarters. But when that run game's cooking, you saw, I know they didn't score a ton of points, but still control of that game. It dominated time of possession. Other side of it, a bad TCU defense, a really bad TCU defense. Not last week. Not last week, right? Held B. John Robinson to 2.4 yards per carry on 12 carries. And Quinn Ewers didn't complete more than 50% of his passes and threw a pick. This, I put this in all caps in my notes. This is a team of destiny. TCU 10-0 <laughs> going to Baylor. Baylor, a team that has lost to BYU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and most recently got dogged against Kansas State. Blake Shapin is hot and cold, the quarterback for BYU. This entire team is hot and cold, and I think they're going to be cold on Saturday. Six and four Baylor Bears are going down against TCU. I'm taking TCU on the money line and the spread this week. So it's obviously everyone is talking about TCU. They're 10-0, one of the stories of the season. We haven't seen them in this position in a few years. They're not one of the typical powerhouses. But guess what? They're not just a powerhouse in the rankings. They are a powerhouse for us on the on the betting line. They're eight one and one this season. The one loss was in overtime. They were uh, five point favorites, and they won in overtime by three. They you you picked them like six times on this podcast. What is it, it, w- what is your favorite thing about these horned frogs? It's the energy, I think. No, I, I honestly think it's Duggan. I think Duggan and then the receiver, Quinton Johnson, have been big parts of the reasons they're they're covering spreads and winning football games. But the fact that they showed they could be multiple and and hold a Quinn Ewers-led Texas Longhorns team on the road to 10 points and and, and, and halt B. John Robinson in his tracks, a guy that's likely a first-round pick, could be a top-ten pick in the 2023 NFL draft. 29 yards. 
it, it, show, it showed that they can do things different. It showed that, like I said, in all caps, in the notes, this is a team of destiny. If you are not taking the Horn Frogs, the Hypno Frog, right now, what are you doing? Dave Aranda, this <laughs> Baylor Bears team, is, is so hot and cold and doesn't have, they're already bowl eligible. They're not making the postseason. TCU has more to lose in this game. This is a, this is a, oh, every a week more. is a playoff yeah. game. Every week is a playoff game for TCU. Every single week is a playoff game for TCU. So You're telling me they can't get up keep, against the Baylor Bears? You keep saying the Team of Destiny thing. Like, to me, the Team of Destiny games for them were when they, like, came back from, like, 17 points, 14 points down. Last week was the first game I've really seen from them where they just went in and controlled the game all game long. You know, Texas didn't have a chance in that game. They, it was comfortable. It was easy. The defense had not looked, they've been winning games like 38-31, 42-34. They've been winning games after huge comebacks. And then last week, you know, Bijan season low, Quinn Ewers, it was the lowest he'd had in a season except for the game where he got hurt. It was the first game where he hadn't thrown a touchdown. I didn't, I, I'd been on this TCU, you know, wagon with you sometimes, but I didn't know they had a game like that in them. So obviously we're both picking TCU. I mean, Baylor lost 31 to three last week. It's I'm I've and the line's three. Yeah, it's strange. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you about something else because last week after the show was over, I asked you whether you liked TCU to make the playoff at plus 600 and you were, despite all of your TCU love on the, on the air, you were like, I'm not 100% sure about that. They might lose this week. You know, like I got them with the spread. Now we're getting them at plus 220 to make the playoff. They have to beat Baylor this week, Iowa State next week, and most likely Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. You like that? I like it. I like it. At plus 220, I wish I took them at plus 600. I didn't know they were going to... We, No one said they were going to go into Austin and beat the Texas Longhorns 17-10. If you ask me what how many points TCU would have to score to beat Texas last week, I would say 30, maybe 35. Yeah, 17 the fact, they, the, fact, the fact that they showed they have this tool in their tool belt on the road, again, it, it screams destiny to me. And you're saying, oh, well, you know, I, I don't, is destiny when they're coming back? No one understands destiny, Roger. It's given to them, okay? No, we don't understand the TCU Horn Frogs either. I, I think at plus 220, there, there, there may be some value there. I'm not betting Michigan at minus 110. I'm not betting Ohio State at minus 700. I'm not betting these other teams. I don't like USC at plus 350. I think TCU at plus 220 could be a worthwhile bet. I might as well put my money where my mouth is if I'm calling them the TO destiny. I, I gotta I gotta I put a I put down a little free bet on them at, at plus six hundred. It's not a not a big lovely one, but, but I, I that's just, my guy. I just you know college football is about falling in love with a team over the course of a season. Um I, I every year Ohio State is there, you know, the big teams are there. I guess this year Alabama isn't there <laughs> which is which is fun. But like for me my favorite part of the sport is when a team has a season like this. They're winning exciting games. There are so many parts of the team you can love. And yeah, I'm, I'm in on them. But I got them at plus 600. Uh, and and I really think they're going to make it because I think they're better than all of the teams on the schedule ahead of them. Simple as that. And if they have, win those you, games, they're in the playoff. And so if you're, they're you're not, I'm going the- to burn down the college football playoff committee headquarters. <laughs> in where. So you have a futures bet at plus 600 for TCU to go to the playoff. And I'm sure you're backing them here minus two and a yes. half to beat the Baylor Bears. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Let's go to USC at UCLA. 
UCLA is the number 16 team in the country, 8-2 on the season, coming off a disgusting, unfathomable loss to Arizona. Arizona. Jed, oh, Jed fishes Arizona Wildcats. I'm Talk so that. mad that this happened. I really no wanted, but this, this game is still going to rule. It's still going to be yeah. awesome. Oh, my God. It, it, this game has a total of 75 and a half. But the USC has scored 40 or more points in eight games this year. UCLA has scored 40 or more points in seven games this year. This is going to be a fireworks show. USC ranks 49th in EPA per play allowed. UCLA 48th. Defenses are near the bottom of the league or bottom of the power five in efficiency. Offenses, USC has the best offense in EPA per play and UCLA ranks fifth. This is going to be electric. But if you're going to choose an offense in a shootout, I'm choosing Caleb Williams. Likely the favorite Absolutely. or an early favorite to be the number one overall pick in 2024. This is the best offense in college football, the best offense in the Power Five. I'm surprised the line is only one and a half. I don't know if that's giving too many points to UCLA because they're playing this game at home, but I'm taking Williams over DTR every single game of the week. And I know yeah. every single game of the week, <laughs> every, every single day of the week, but I, I, I know that UCLA's run game is great. And like they, it's not in college football, it's not as simple as quarterback versus quarterback, but man, this is going to be a shootout where I ultimately think the better quarterback wins this one. And that's Caleb Williams. I think that's USC. Honestly, and the thing about the loss to Arizona last week was you see the score 31-28. You think, oh, man, they gave, they gave up 31 points. But like Arizona scores that much pretty much every week. The problem was that UCLA didn't take apart that Arizona team defensively. Arizona is losing a lot of games like 45 to 30. And for, for whatever reason, DTR just was not, beating that zone the way that you should against a team as poor defensively as Arizona. For me, it's this is such a strange game. It's going to be so exciting to see the Rose Bowl full. It's sold out. They have the largest student section in UCLA history. They said 17,000 fans. And this is... A, a strange and wonderful rivalry because, like, first of all, UC, USC is, like, literally closer to the Rose Bowl than UCLA is. I, I think, to me, USC is, like, the better team in, in every way, uh, pretty much. They're got the better quarterback. You know, no shade to DTR. He's been a really fun player to watch, but Caleb Williams is better. They have better wide receivers. They're better on defense. They've lost one game by one point on the road to a really great Utah team that we're about to talk about in a couple of minutes. Like, their resume is great, and it feels like they should be favored by more than 1.5 points at a neutral site. And it's like, it is, are we considering this a road game for USC? It's, it's at UCLA Stadium, but it's in the same county that they play in. It's close to them. There will probably be a lot of USC fans. They don't have to travel. Their game routine, whatever you think factors into home field advantage, most of the things will be the same for USC. They'll probably sleep in their regular, uh, in whatever hotel they go to before home games. Are 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 you going? Are you are you going to the Rose Bowl? I wanted to. I I, I don't think I'll be able to the, the, this weekend. But I, I was looking at tickets. The tickets are expensive. Are you? Are you going? Tickets to the Rose are Bowl? actually ex- well. No, I don't live in LA anymore. <laughs> I have gone to. Oh, I have gone to brutal. UCLA home. I have gone to UCLA home games before. I, I saw them play Oklahoma when Jalen Hurts was at uh, at Oklahoma, and it it didn't have that atmosphere. I'm really excited to see what it's going to look like. It just feels to me like the this line is treating this game like a home 
game for U- uh, UCLA and a road game for USC when in, in a lot of ways it's more like a neutral site game. And I think USC should be favored by more. I'm here. I'm here for it. I think USC minus one and a half is the bet. I like USC on the money line as well, if, uh, where you can get it. And also, te- that means we're picking back-to-back favorites to start. How do you feel podcast. about that? The next game it, we have. How do you feel about that extremely large total? You think they can hit seventy-five? I, I, I I'm staying away from that total. Betting us betting an under seventy-five total is hashtag not fun. And betting an over is just like the just the nastiest sweat. Like you're rooting, you're rooting for every drive to be a touchdown. I've root, when you go when you go back to like the Red River showdowns in, in, in previous years where like the total is like out to like 79 and a half and shit like that. It's hard betting those overs and just watching any punt is like overfucked oh, or any interception. It, it, it's a tough sweat, man. I'm probably staying away from the total. I just I just like excited to see the atmosphere of that game. Like and also eleven touchdowns. Those yes. are the two things yes. I'm excited for. We need and 11 touchdowns. I, I'm also picking USC minus one and a half. And I'm also terrified of the total. Lovely. Next game here, another Pac-12 stunner. Number 10, Utah at number 12, Oregon. Utah 8-2, and two, Oregon 8-2. and two. Utah has the top 10 offense in EPA per play. Oregon has the number two offense in EPA per play behind, US, behind USC. Now, Utah coming off back-to-back 40-point point games. Massive, convincing win over Stanford last week. Also, back-to-back home games for the Utes. Utah run game led by Tavion Thomas, former Cincinnati Bearcat transfer to Utah. Monster. Oregon, on the other hand, coming off an absolute letdown in Austin. Like, they lo- losing last week was unacceptable. The Pac-12. Absolutely unacceptable. The Pac-12 always, you know, always comes through. Whenever there's a chance for a team to have like a really, really exciting season, it will eat itself. It's the conference. It used to be the conference of champions. Now it's the conference of cannibals. Something bad <laughs> will always happen to the best teams in the league. Uh, and that, and that, that, uh, it just, it's just like we could have, if, if, if Oregon won that game last week and UCLA won that game last week, this would be such a different week in the Pac 12. Absolutely. Losing to Washington. Number 15, Washington at home, 34-37. Michael Penix Jr. has been awesome for Washington this year, but so has Bo Nix. Bo Nix, 19-28 for 279 and two touchdowns in that game. They had two players go over 100 yards, both averaging more than five yards per carry. Like This offense still looked good. They obviously put up 34 points, but did not come out with it in the end. Outscored 10-3 in the fourth quarter. For this week, I hate to pick three consecutive favorites. They're all tight spreads for what it's worth, but I like Oregon in, in a bounce-back spot. Knowing that Utah, yes, coming off back-to-back games with 40-plus points, will have to go on the road for the first time in three weeks. I like Oregon's home field advantage. It's one of my favorite home field advantages in college football. I, I, I think Oregon, after a letdown spot, Bo Nix rallies back, this offense rallies back, and, and they beat up on a Utah team that, yes, has a much better defense than the Ducks do, but I, I'm back in the better offense in this one. I like Oregon minus three. I'm confused every time Utah scores more than, like, 25 points. It just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's just not what I want and need out of the Utah Utes. I, I'm also on on Oregon this week. I think Oregon really had a chance to win that game. They they uh had a sad goal line fumble early in the in the in the game and I, I, I think that they uh they go into Utah and get this stuff. Last but not but least. Now Oklahoma we're doing State. this annoying thing again. What? Last week What's we agreed. Thing? Last week we agreed on all three picks, and we went one and two. And now we're agreed on three of three so far. 
we're getting into a hive mind thing here at the end of the year where we have to I hate it. Love. I hate it. And yeah, it's it's uh so let's hope I'm praying that Bedlam brings us something different here, but I'm not gonna I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not changing change my opinion, opinion either. I, I got Bedlam. Uh, it's Oklahoma State, number 24, Oklahoma State, 7-3 on the season, going to Oklahoma to play Oklahoma. Seven and a half point dogs on the road. And Oklahoma, 5-5 five and five on the year, looking for bowl eligibility with a win in Bedlam this week. Oklahoma State's defense is absolutely horrendous, and somehow Oklahoma's is worse. Both these defenses suck. I, I'm expecting a lot of points in this game regardless. And I'm expecting a lot of points because Spencer Sanders should be back healthy for this yeah. game. Yes. Mike Gundy's son, Gunner Gundy. <laughs> did not do it for them. <laughs> did not do it for them. I love, can we talk about, if your name is Mike Gundy, are you naming your kid Gunner? Gunner, Gunner Gundy Gunderson is the funny, might, might, might be the funniest name in, in college football. Gunner Gundy is hilarious. And he also is terrible. It now. would be funny if he wasn't Mike Gundy's son. And I think it's even more funny because he is Mike Gundy's son. Did you see any of him <laughs> playing last week? It was bad. I did see would, him playing last I week. I would like to tell our listeners about this Oklahoma State game last week that they pulled out. Um, Spencer Sanders was not supposed to play in this game. He has a shoulder injury. They said he's available for emergency circumstances. And apparently the emergency circumstance was that Mike Gundy watched his son throw two interceptions. And the second interception (laughs) was Mike Gundy's son, Gunner Gundy, was past the line of scrimmage by like four or five yards and threw the ball away, like trying to throw it away, and it was intercepted. And what happens in this scenario is there's a thought in the back of your head if you're an Oklahoma State fan, like, oh, he's passed the line of scrimmage. It doesn't count. No, it, they just they could just decline that penalty, man. If you're, yes. dumb enough, <laughs> if, you're, if you're dumb enough to throw an interception past the line of scrimmage, you're not getting saved by your own stupidity here. That's... That's that's the other team's ball. So this happened, and he immediately put his injured quarterback back in the game. They came back. They won. <laughs> and after the game, they asked Spencer Sanders, are you playing in Bedlam? And he was like, hell yeah, I'm playing in Bedlam, even though I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> no shit. They're not, they, can't, they can't go back to Gunnar Gundy, especially if Spencer Sanders is healthy. I, I, at seven and a half... Awkward times in the Gundy household. Gotta be, gotta be awkward times. Oklahoma State has been like up and down over the last few weeks, and that's been a lot of that has been because of the Spencer Sanders injury. Now he's back, supposedly healthy, coming off a comeback win for Oklahoma State. Meanwhile, Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma has really struggled this year. The offense is not what it's been in Oklahoma for a while. And defensively, Venables, man, th- this defense is ugly. 50th in the power five EPA per play allowed. Which the he fact was supposed that Oklahoma, to fix. The fact that Oklahoma is a seven and a half point favorite in this game, I feel like it's kind of wild. And, and I think this, this game... I hate saying this kind of shit because it feels anecdotal, but I think college football matters more. The storylines matters more. It means more. This rivalry means more to Gundy and Oklahoma State. He's yeah, talked about Oklahoma's it before. That, exactly. He's talked about it before and that there's only a handful of these games left. And Oklahoma's killing the Bedlam rivalry by going to the SEC. And as one of the as as this rivalry comes to a close, I like Oklahoma State as a dog at plus seven and a half. I like them to cover. And I'm probably going to back them at least a half unit sprinkled on the money line, knowing that Gunnar Gundy isn't playing and Coach Mike Gundy is. So I'm, I'm all in on Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, there's always more juice for the team that's that's uh, not leaving the rivalry. I, I think back to uh, Texas beating Texas A&M in the last game before between those two teams back when A&M left for the SEC. Um, the, 
I, I just wanted to quickly ask you, um, like, who do you think is doing a better job? Um, Mike Gundy being willing to bench his own son after the interception past the line of scrimmage or uh, Kirk Ferentz just like refusing to do anything with Brian Ferentz being very bad at coordinating the Iowa offense. Like, is it nice to show like I gave you a chance, but you know, you need to learn a little bit or just if, if someone's your child, just keep throwing you back out there in these scenarios, regardless of how they perform. I, I think I feel worse for for Gunner Gundy. <laughs> yeah. Cause he he's it's it was it's been more embarrassing for him, I think. He's also Whereas not getting paid Ferentz, a lot of money. Exactly. With Ferentz too, it's like Spencer Petros sucks. Like, <laughs> like he, it, it's not all his fault, right? Unless, you know, I know that head coach Kirk Ferentz was adamant that he should start for as long as he did before he was benched ultimately like a couple weeks ago. Like, I don't know, man. I I, I think I just wanted to I get a quick check out on it's, on it's worse for the younger check. Gundy. It's worse for the younger Gundy than it but, is for I, you the, know, it's, the younger it's, parents. It's, it's, it takes a lot to bench your kid. And, no, you know, it does. And he, he made the move, and he still but gave, here's a, he here's still a, gave take. a chance. Gundy, Gundy's demeanor, in my opinion, is, a, is one that lives to bench your kid. <laughs> like, he kind of lives for those moments where he's like, I can't wait for this learning moment for my son Gunner to, to, to show some discipline that, Nothing's easy. I don't know. Like, I think Gundy's got that kind of demeanor for uh, and, and is excited that his son is learning that lesson this early in his college career. Poor Gutter, man. Hey, hey he's, he's on Gutter. the team. He's playing. He threw a touchdown. He did throw a touchdown last week. So yep. let's, let's, let's a little bit of a little bit of support for Gutter Gundy. But yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Oklahoma State plus seven. So we're on everything. We're all we're on, on everything. God damn it. Uh, and last it's week brutal. it didn't work. And this week. We're on three favorites and a dog, and I think it's a dog that squares in the public are going to be on. That's why the hook is at seven and a half. It's to encourage more Oklahoma State backers, but I'm with the squares this week. I'm with the public this week. I, li- I like Oklahoma State to cover in Bedlam, and I like, you know, in those tight spreads we talked about before, I like USC to win at UCLA. I like TCU to win at Baylor, and I like, obviously, Oregon to win at home over Utah. That's going to do it for the Ringer Gambling Show. Make sure to tune into the feed next week. Next week, it's Roger and I only. Maybe for three hours. Our producer says it's the best hours. college football weekend of the year next week. Stefan said, dude, I don't, I'm not seeing my family for Thanksgiving. Why don't you guys go for six hours next week? So make sure you tune in the next week. We're going to go over every game in college football twice. And we're going to review the entire, no, but it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Me and Roger going to rip it up for Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll eat some pie. Who knows? But make sure you tune in next week and tune into the rest of the ringer gambling feed as we march on the end of college football season. And obviously the end of the NFL season. Down go the Horned Frogs, it's baby. Great. If you don't believe it's the team of destiny now, you're wrong. Austin Gale, Roger Sherman, producer Stefan Anderson, the ringer. Yeah.